0: Not bitter, bitter, just just better.
1: better. The all new Everton podcast. Hello everyone and welcome again to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast, episode 28, so the Victor, no not the Victor Anachibi one, the La Cina Traore episode, number 28.
0: Well he did score past the shite last weekend, so shall we call it the most, Victor His An- most
1: important goal for
0: us maybe? Possibly, shall we call it the Victor Anachibi? <laughs> yeah we can
1: then? do. Uh, Mr Johnny Seven here as always with Mark Mach.
0: Hello. Hello and we're probably a little bit happier than we were last week aren't we? We're definitely a lot happier than last week. Not even in part of that Victor Chibi we that great pass from uh, Colo Torre.
1: Yeah, great assist, and uh, Colo the clown has been uh, the the talk of uh, the weekend, really, hasn't
0: it? Why can't he play like that against us?
1: He just—I don't know. It's just—it's just one of those things. Um, we've got all the usual news. We'll have a social media section coming up and a preview of the Tottenham game. But first, we're going to start off today's show as we always do, looking back at the weekend's game, and it was
0: Villa at home. And I think you can tell by uh, the tone of our voice that it was uh, obviously a win, as most Evertonians will already know. Uh, but it didn't start off a particularly happy day, did it? The weather was atrocious. <laughs> it was that big rain, as Peter Kay would say. <laughs> it was, big rain. And the worst part of it was, it was blowing a gale, and the wind was blowing right into the gladder street. And with us only sitting six rows in the front, we got soaked, Yeah, you? so we? Yeah, so we're row F, so I think... The uh, the shelter
1: on the uh, on the Gladys Street starts about Road G. Oh no, because you're you you sat in Road G, weren't you? No, it, it
0: starts on about row M. There was oh, loads of people behind us getting oh, was wet. It? Um, yeah, it was horrible weather. It was great. It grim. was one of those days where you sat there thinking, "Why am I
1: here?" Yeah, definitely. And uh, for most of the first half, I think it wasn't the only reason why you're thinking, <laughs> "Why am I here?" Because it was uh, it wasn't the best half of football. Let's just say.
0: No it wasn't, um, we've actually done a little bit of research about the game today so we can remember it We shouldn't uh, forget anything today hopefully um, The starting line-up was uh, Howard in goal uh, We started with Jagielka, uh, Distan. Distan come back in Distan was back in, so uh, full strength partnership, centre-half uh, John Stones remained at right-back, which was a slight surprise to think Yeah, I'd go with that, yeah uh, Left-back, uh, obviously Leighton Baines uh, the usual McCarthy valley, central midfield, and then uh, a front attacking three midfielders of McGeady, Osman and Barkley. Uh, and Kevin Morales up top on his own?
1: Yeah, um, so that's what people were asking for. So uh, 50-50 on what people wanted, really. They wanted Morales to be tried up top and uh, stones to make way for Hibby, really.
0: Yeah, and probably both of which shouldn't happen the way it did. I think, you know, I still think Stones looked down to depth in this game out there on the right, although he was obviously not in anywhere near as much trouble as he was against Liverpool. Um, and I don't really think last worked up front.
1: No, um, we, I mean, we, we started off not so bad, and McGeady, um we'll talk about more lately, he had a decent, like, bright start and almost made an immediate impact, didn't he? A little cut inside and um, we couldn't really see it because we were down the Gladys Street and, you know, trying to fight back the uh, the, the the rain in our
0: eyes. Yeah, <laughs> getting blinded.
1: Um, but uh, it hit the post and came back out and it was a decent effort. It was quite, quite bright from him, quite a bright start. Um, but I think that was the only bright <laughs> a bit from from Everton in the uh, in the first
0: half. Yeah, I mean, there's this very, very little to talk about at all in the first half, is there? Apart from the fact that we went 1 0 no down, really. Uh, I think you, at half time, I remember you saying you thought it was our worst performance this season, and, and even including, you know,
1: yeah. the derby.
0: I'd say overall,
1: it was the worst we've played. The derby, we were caught by three breakaway goals. Our passing in that game, in that first half against Villa was just absolutely atrocious and unfortunately it was uh, young John Stones who was the biggest culprit. Uh, His control wasn't great and his passing wasn't great at all. He couldn't pass it two yards. I think he tried a few 40 yard cross field passes as well and uh, I think he's just caught out. I mean he's just it was one of those, he just wanted him to be taken off to spare him his blushes but I mean, would that have been worse?
0: Well, funnily enough, we had two right-backs on the bench, which was the bizarre thing. You've got Tony Ibbett and Seamus Coleman on the bench. And I know, I think i said to you, why put Seamus Coleman on the bench if he's not fit enough to play? If he if he's on the bench, surely he's fit enough to, to, to play. So, really, you should be going with Seamus, I would have thought. Whether they were worried about the heavy ground, whether they were worried about the pitch cutting up because of the weather, uh, you know, and... Increasing the risk of him aggravating his hamstring. I don't know, but it just seemed pointless naming two right-backs on the, on the bench. And eventually, when you did take stones off, we didn't bring either of them on. Well, so, odd choice for me, really. I, I, I
1: said this at the match as well. I just wonder whether it was just a matter of making up the numbers because we've got so many players out at the moment. Maybe we only had um, 18 players fit.
0: Yeah, like, my guy gay off the bench, though. Was he fit? Oh, Davin heard him getting an injury.
1: Um, well I don't know I mean I don't think he'd have gone on in a million years well I saw that against Steven and really. <laughs> Liverpool oh
0: yeah um, so so 33rd minute uh, the only talking point in the first half and um, it wasn't a good talking point if he went 1-0 down it was a, a goal scored by Bakunin who I think you'd mentioned the week before that we need to watch because I think he scored the week before as well yeah
1: him? I was taking the piss when I said we need to watch because he scored the luckiest goal I've ever seen. He kind of completely missed it. And as the he went down, ante- anticipating the finish into the corner, it's kind of bobbled over his head and went like about an inch over the line before being cleared off. And uh, just the most fortunate goal. So I took the piss on our Facebook saying, oh, we need to watch out for that Bakuna last week. And he just so happened to... <laughs> Provide a great finish and this put this
0: was a, this was a good finish wasn't through Havel's uh, legs. Benteke put him through and he he was free bearing down on goal. Havel uh, came off his line a bit uh, and Kieran just lofted it straight through the legs, gave him the mix, and one uh, nil down.
1: What I, I mean I was I was absolutely fuming because uh, it was Barkley lost the ball just inside our half, uh, and I don't know I've, I've seen this back a few times since, and I thought that he was. Uh, he was thinking that it should have been a foul, so he was protesting for the foul instead of uh, trying to tackle back. But on uh, watching it back, maybe it was a little bit harsh on him. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we just got caught on the break, didn't we? You know, it, it happens. Um, we got caught you know, in possession you, more, I mean. In yeah, our, yeah. And then, but then if you, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the stats, and that was their only attempt on goal all game. Yeah. So, it, just, it was just a free occurrence, wasn't it? I mean, you know, you could play that game over again a hundred times and I don't think they'd score in any of the games. It was just one of them.
1: Yeah, so we went in 1-0 down
0: at half-time. And we were really miserable at this point.
1: Yeah, and we couldn't really see anything. You know, we, we, normally we, we try and anticipate uh, who's going to come on as a sub because they, they don't come out to warm up at half-time. And four of our players didn't come out. In fact, sorry, three of them didn't come out. Pinar came out and went back in. So we were thinking any, any three of those four could have came on straight away,
0: really. Just before we move on to the second half, just to go back to a point we made before, uh, you know, I, don't, I didn't agree with you that it was the worst we played this season. I, I thought in the first half, as I say, I thought we controlled the game, basically. Although like we weren't making any clear-cut chances. I thought, you know, we had the line-shaded obsession. We were, it was all in Aston Villa's half. You know, I, I I, thought we could definitely get something out of the game, but it, you just couldn't see where that spark was coming from. That I think that was the disappointing thing, really, in the first half. But I don't think it was anywhere near as badly as we played in the first half against Liverpool. Or the second half against Liverpool. Yeah,
1: well, maybe maybe I was just... Or wet.
0: against West Brom the other week. Wet
1: and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, anyway, yeah, so 1 0 down at uh, half time. Half time was probably one of the most grim, uh, grim half times ever been part of, apart from maybe the week before being 3 0 down uh, <clears throat> against the Shite.
0: Um, what, what, sorry, what, what was a very disappointing part of the first half, I thought, was the amount of times that Kevin Morales got caught offside. Uh, yeah, it
1: was like Kevin Campbell or Andy Johnson all over. It was, it just, was like Joe. <laughs> it was like the trivia. most
0: offside player who's ever lived, but uh, yeah, he was frustrating, wasn't he, Morales? I mean, you know, and he, yes, he was getting frustrated as well. He was getting frustrated that he was like having a little dig at players putting the balls through, but he, he was the one who was offside. He, he's got to hold them runs, and that's that's why you know you'll always get these shouts for like why players or flair players to be given a run up front, and and people forget playing centre forward in the Premier League is is a specialist role. It's not easy. And, you know, it, it's things like that, that that make the difference, which is, you know, timing your runs properly.
1: What I will uh, add, add into that is um, he kept going wide for the ball, which is something we've had we've had a problem with with forwards um, for the past few years. You know, Jelovic often went wide to get the ball deep and wide.
0: Kubu started doing that a lot, didn't yeah. you, before, uh, towards the end of his to uh, and, tenure?
1: To try and just get involved. But normally, you'll have a player who'll start pushing up that little bit further and fill that gap left by him. So maybe, um, you know, Osmond or Barkley should have filled that role because when Morales picked the ball up on the wing, there was absolutely zero option for him in the middle. So um, he'd often have to come back, which is what a lot of our play involved. A lot of play, a lot of play just came back, um, back to Baines, back to Distan back to Jagielka, sometimes we play like 20 passes and then end up back at Tim Howard or
0: at Jags. Which is what happened a lot in the derby as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, But there was an enforced change as well at half-time. PNR came on for Ross Barkley.
1: Yeah, so uh, this must have just been um, a little bit of precaution because Ross uh, wasn't injured. He wasn't, you know, he's, he's not carrying any injuries going into the next into this week. Have
0: you seen anything that said he was feeling a tight, like tight hamstring? Or no, tight not seen anything.
1: Or? No, I, I just wonder whether it was tactical because he got caught. He got caught out for the goal. Maybe he wasn't completely hundred uh, percent after you know he he was a doubt for the derby. He played the majority of that, and then played that. Maybe he was just a little bit tired.
0: Well, I must say, I mean, after. His performance in the derby, uh, CMP now coming on, uh, was not what I wanted to see really. But if it was a tactical substitution, it was a bit of a masterstroke.
1: Yeah, At the first fifteen minutes uh, of fifteen minutes or so—I mean, uh, we we were better. I'd say that. But I'd still, I still couldn't see where a goal would come from. Um, we had a few, a few uh, bits of possession high up.
0: Uh, so we, we started really pinning them in then we started forcing yeah. corners we were getting corner after corner after corner but no real opportunity there, there's no clear cut chances
1: no I think I think uh, Osman had a couple of scooped efforts didn't he where, which, which one was like a back pass and one took a deflection and went over um, not real threatening though um, a lot of the
0: corners were poor as well on the
1: day. Weren't just they? You know, shocking, either too far or front post.
0: Very reminiscent to the old uh, Michel Arteta days, where every corner was getting headed away the way by the man on the front post. Yeah,
1: it's like we we get like these great set pieces, and then forget how to do them. Yeah, <laughs> we you know we got. We, I
0: can't say I was so good at free kicks, and we're not so good at corners.
1: Well, I, I don't know. It's just a puzzling one. Um, but uh, the change that you kind of alluded to before, uh, when it came, um, Stones finally went off. Um, and Naismith came on. So, as you said, two right bucks on the bench. Neither of them came on when Stones went off.
0: And it was a bit of a strange one. You know, I was looking at it thinking, I, I don't get this now. What what formation are we going to go? And there's people around me shouting we're going three at the back. And I was thinking, how's that? Who's going to be the three at the back then? Is it going to be... Jack Yell played this time in Baines, or, but what what seemed to happen initially was that um, James McCarthy dropped in at right back, and then that sort of got swapped over quite quickly, and, and Barry seemed to be filling in at right back.
1: Well, I think it was whoever was there, whoever was, was convenient. I think it was a conscious decision at first to put McCarthy there. Well, like, I was actually definitely, watched
0: McCarthy as the substitution got made. It looked like McCarthy was saying to the other players and pointing, saying, I'm going to, I'm at right back. So that's, what, that's why initially I thought it was McCarthy. And he, he was in the right back area for a short while, but then Barry seemed to take over there.
1: Yeah, maybe it was just a reshuffle for one particular bit of play. Um, but it's strange anyway, isn't it? As I said, we had two right backs on the bench, but it seemed like Roberto was going all out. I mean... I. I, I mentioned this a little bit as well, uh, given that Hibbert came on later on, do you think he, he tried to sh- uh, sh- spare John Stones, uh, or John Stoned, as he was playing on, uh, on, on Saturday? Nah, I see what you've done there, yeah. <laughs> John Stone, um, do you think he tried to spare his blushes? Because he is quite canny, isn't he? Uh, so what
0: you're saying is rather than make it look like a straight substitution a right back for the right back because, because of a poor performance because of a poor performance make it look like a tactical decision yes uh, and a change around before then change, just switching it back yeah I Do think that's too much credit yeah no I I, yeah, I can't see him doing that because you know would you run the risk of maybe you know compromising the team just for the sake of sparing someone some blushes, and would that be? Well, I don't would, would think it you, was, I don't. I think. Would you it, want that to happen?
1: I don't think it did because I, th- um, I think McCarthy coped well, and at that stage, well, it's a risk. You don't know.
0: Has McCarthy ever played
1: it right back? I mean he knows him well, doesn't he? he had him at Wigan for a little while, um, and th- the fact that everything was camped in Villa's half, I don't think it was that much of a risk. It's like throwing a forward on because we didn't need those defenders. We could have taken Tim Howard off.
0: I actually think James McCarthy is one of them players who do a job for you anyway.
1: I think he could go and go and do it, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the player who did come on was Stephen Naismith. 69th minute. And um, <laughs> it didn't take him long to get in amongst the uh, action. Four minutes. Four minutes, yeah. And So what we had been lacking is a r- good, real, incisive bit of play. And uh, I think McGeady possibly was. He had it on the right-hand side, laid it into Naismith. And he... Uh, I think he just dropped it off a little bit, uh, Gareth Barry, and then continued a little run around the box. Barry knocked it into Pina, and he he just played this lovely inch perfect ball through to Naismith, yeah, who uh, I mean, finished finished perfectly, really, didn't
0: he? Yeah, lovely little work goal. Um, and, and as you say, that, that that was the difference, wasn't it? When Naismith came on, he was a, he just seemed a much more natural forward, than Morales, and he, he was drifting to, into the, the right places. And, yeah, you know. As as much as you know, he gets criticised sometimes. You can't ever criticise his work rate, and he, he, he wants the ball, doesn't he? And he? He wants to, he wants to score, basically.
1: Yeah, and his reaction was great because he, he, you know, these players, these players, they they must know when they they're not like a fan favourite. They must, they must, what you know, like on, on the great fan. They must, they must know, mustn't he? They? they must know. Um, what kind of stick do he get. I, mean, I imagine, you know, he's on Twitter. If he's on Twitter, he must get direct messages
0: and st- stuff saying that you're you, how rubbish he is because Yeah, he must do. And you've got to remember he he's come from a a massive club in Scotland at Rangers where he was he was loved. So it must be you know, he must sort of crave that adulation again.
1: Yeah. Um so he loved it anyway, and it's great to see players who, even when they're not uh, getting the best treatment, maybe by the fans, still celebrating and you know, like they love it. And uh, he loves the club, and you can see that he's loved by the the, the his team as well. Um,
0: he's one of them players who you just really hope uh, kicks on, and it works out. For I hope
1: so. Yeah, he had a um, he had a great opportunity to uh, put himself in the even better books than the good books he put himself in, like after that as well, didn't he?
0: Well, I think at this point, we need to mention, that I woke up, on the morning of the game, and I had this strange vision, Oh yeah, 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 I yeah. had this strange vision, and I put it on our Facebook, for anyone who, we always talk about, our great predictions, um, we get a lot of them wrong, as well, don't we, but, uh, anyone who wants to check, on our Facebook page, you can check this out, the morning of the game, I put, I really feel like, Stephen Smith is going to have a blind today, he's going to score two, and get man of the match, now, as the game was start and as we had the team come out and he was on the bench, we were I was like, oh, "Well, that was a great prediction, wasn't it? Not even playing." Um, and then when that ball came over for that the header he had in the second half in front of us, you were, you were buying thinking, you were buying the lottery ticket. I was like, "Yeah, I tell you what, I need to start writing into telling. It could be the new Mystic Mega." Yeah, um, but uh, it was a wee header, wasn't it, straight to the keeper?
1: Well, just to counter this. Um, you did put out on uh, Monday that you were uh, about to watch the Chelsea and City game, and you can see not, you couldn't see anything but a City win. This is true. <laughs> Which a lot of people were uh, very quick to uh, <laughs> remind you about. <laughs> this is true. So anyway, one right, one wrong.
0: Um, I think it's it's just one of them. If you're throwing up stones, you're bound to break a window at some point.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we 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 had a lot more of the game from then on, and um, the Villa fans who were. Shouting about us uh, being in, sat in a library and our atmosphere being rubbish. I think what they need, what they needed to re- remember a little bit, is that we had just been
0: absolutely destroyed by our biggest
1: rival. So, this was a very very tense game, and the weather was rubbish. not. I'm not making ex-
0: not making excuses as such, but you know, it, it was, was somewhat quiet in the first half. It was quiet, but but I, I can't see how the Aston Villa fans can sit there shouting uh, your support is shit when a club the size of Aston Villa have only sold out half their allocation in the lower part of the Bullens and the away Yeah, where was the, where was the top section of their fans I'll tell you where they all were they were all sat in their house because it was raining in Birmingham that's really <laughs> yeah
1: so I mean I, I, I had to get a translator to understand what they were saying anyway and I had to slow it down I had to speed up what they were saying, because they're just, they just so they have some rad.
0: weird songs, like that, that one does my head and that decision. it goes like, yip and it just makes no sense. I can't say yeah that one. <laughs> they're always singing it. <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. anyway, uh, so that shut them up anyway, and, uh, as well as being sat there, stunned, I, I imagine he felt like, just going home, a little while, after that as well.
0: Yeah, because, um we didn't score a bad little goal, did we? For the winner, um <laughs> uh, basically it was a, a free kick that was, uh, you know, Morales was brought down uh, about 25 yards out. Would you say maybe that was? Beaten. Well, on the
1: commentary on on, uh, on the match of the day and and, and, and the, the like, uh, they said 30 yards. It was a, it was quite
0: a distance, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I thought it was between 25 to 30 yards. Uh, 84th minute, you're looking at it and you think, you oh, know, we need this. Year. We really do need this here.
1: One of those you try and cry in. Like,
0: oh, yeah. we never score free yeah. kicks. Crying so cry all sitting there going, come on, Bainesy, lad. There's top corner of this. Come on, Bainesy. You know, you, you haven't scored one for a little while. like. Uh, Bainesy didn't score one, did he? No. Up stepped
1: Super Kev with an uh, per, per, absolutely perfect pace power. Uh, and he had Guzan flapping like an idiot, didn't he, as it went into the top corner? Just pure oh, worldy.
0: Him. Absolute worldy. Couldn't place it any better, power, pace, everything you wanted pre-kick, it was was Ronaldo-esque, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and if uh, Smith loved his goal, uh, Morales loved his like 10 times more, and the pitches were amazing, weren't they, where he was running over to, it looked like he was going to bite Roberto's head off.
0: Do you first? How I remember it from being there was, i seen Morales run to the bench, and then like, it looked almost as if he was like squaring up. they kicking off yeah. and like shouting at him. And it looked as if Roberto pushed him away. He was doing that whole
1: chest bump kind of thing, I think. Like, yeah, you know, get on me. I don't know, what's
0: that about? Is, that, is he having a, bit, a little bit of a go in him there or something? Um, but uh, the Gladys Street were going crazy, Wendy. It was bouncing then. You forgot about the rain and the cold, and we did realise the reason for being there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, it was just. Uh, from not being able to see how we could uh, get a one goal uh, to get two uh, to get two and turn it round was just amazing. And do you know I haven't mentioned this since, but do you know I don't do predictions. But what did I say last week? I said if we manage to scrape a two-one and just show a bit of fight, uh, not even the best performance, but just show some fight, i would be made up. So would you class that as a prediction? No. I would. I think I'm having that.
0: No, that's just a statement. It's <laughs> not a prediction. Yeah, I could have said 1-0. I could have said 3-2. I could have said 4-3. Uh, uh, following the goal, um, Bainsey got a booking pretty much straight away, which is either you know there. Uh, McGeady got taken off for the 86th minute uh, and Hibber came on for him, which was the, you know going back towards a, a straight right back, a recognised right back. Um, McGee, should we talk about this now? Uh, No, I I think we've we've got got a
1: section, we asked a question in our social media section, so we'll have a little bit of a discussion then about it.
0: Right, okay, there's a big difference of opinion on McGeady, isn't there, so we'll we'll cross that later, Um, and then basically, you know, the play continued as as it did, really, we dominated the possession, uh, and and saw the game out to to full time, and, uh, you know, cracking three points for the Blues. Just...
1: Just a great win because uh, with the with the result on Sunday with uh, and it, it, the Man United result of course who uh, got beat at Stoke, yeah, Man U lost to Stoke, uh, Tottenham drew, uh, so they lot drop points. Uh, obviously Liverpool drew on Sunday, so you know with two points, you know yeah, wh- I mean, the what gra- that,
0: with the ground we lost from the derby. What it's been, derby has been has been has been made up virtually so. Uh, You know, I say great result for the Blues, and you look at the stats in the game. Considering we had what you know a poor first half, you would say, Um, 71% possession over the 90 minutes. You know, just dominated the 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 time of the ball. 13 shots uh, to Villas four, 13 corners to Villas one, which says a lot, doesn't it? Um, Only four fouls? Four fouls from Everton and 18 from Dirty Aston Villa.
1: That's madness, that four fouls is absolute crazy.
0: Well, I think just it was just a case of Villa didn't have the ball to tackle
1: Yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Um, so, it's another tricky one, this. Uh, man of the match?
0: Difficult one because, you know, as we said, the first half, nobody... You know, there wasn't a standout performance in any way. It well, there was, but for the wrong reasons. I, I, I think. Are you talking about Stones? Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't, I don't want to. You, You're just a big bully. He's only a kid. Leave him alone. Uh, and then, obviously, the, you know, the second half, you could say, the players who came on changed the game. Really, I thought. You know, P&R did very well once he come on. Looked bright. You know, clever little passes, good into play. Um, Naismith when he come on you know scores straight away uh, and, and Morales had a, a much better second half as well um, difficult for 3 I'm, I'm going to say Naismith
1: yeah there was we, we, I put this out there as well as a question and there were a few a few, few answers uh, McCarthy had a good solid game and played three positions in the end because he started off in centre mid point. went to right back and then when McGeezy went off uh, we went to the right mid and he had that unbelievable little showboat didn't he where the Villa player slid in and he just dinked it over him do you remember that yeah I do yeah Um,
0: good
1: point yeah but uh,
0: Barry played well as well
1: yeah uh, I I thought Pinar changed it Uh, and the fact that he was on the whole game Baines he had a great second half I thought Uh, can you pick four players but somebody made a good point as well Roberto he should be man of the match because he made a tactical change and he turned it round. Do won- you know what?
0: Yeah, i love that. i, I love it. You know,
1: yeah, Roberto, Roberto
0: Martinez is my man of the match.
1: Yeah. Okay, so that's the Villa game wrapped up. Three points and it- what a great three points it was. And we are back in, in with a shout for
0: European qualification. Yeah, as, as you say, you know, we've got to put the derby behind us now. Um, you know, we've got a couple of tricky games looming. Uh, start with Tottenham next weekend which we'll uh, preview towards the, uh, the back end of the podcast uh, but yeah, you know, you couldn't have asked for any more could you really? You could have asked for the hiding, but I, there was no way
1: that was going to happen I, everyone, everyone was going to be that really tentative um, I, and it was like a bit like squeaky bum time and uh, the nerves were definitely there after that derby performance and we just had to grit it out and that's what we did
0: so... Well done to the lads there. Exactly. A um, little bit of a jingle now until we did shout the news at the end of it and then we'll be back with our uh, news section. You
1: mean the best news jingle on radio slash iTunes slash In whatever history, it is. Uh, history, yeah. Or that. News! I'm going to have to rely on you a little bit for the uh, the bulk of the news here. All I've got is little headlines because my 3G on my phone's run out and uh, I've already bought more minutes this month so, and it updates tomorrow, so I haven't been able to check the news on the go all week while I'm at work. So you're going to be able to tell all of our great listeners uh, this, the ins and outs.
0: No, you can do it. This is what you get from being a big ming bag. Well, I bought more, oh, are I bought going, more. Are we Are we going to have a, a scout translation for minge bag? <laughs> if you want. <laughs> this might be quite rude, this might not. Um, we'll give you the the brief uh, translation of minge bag means somebody who's quite frugal, very tight with money.
1: Well, it's just rhyming slang really, isn't it? It's stingy, so mingy, stinge bag, minge bag.
0: What's stingy slang as well, isn't What's it? What's stingy? I don't know. <laughs> so
1: that's not Scouts I thought
0: it was... What is it? I thought Minge was rhyme and slang for door hinge. Which is for Stinge. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it means you don't like to spend money. And yeah. Johnny is definitely a big Minge bag.
1: I am when I've already bought more, more minutes, bought more, more 3G. Uh, anyway, the biggest news, I suppose, from a club point of view, is that uh, they've announced another partnership
0: with uh, one of our old shirt sponsors, which is Umbro. Yeah, and um, you know the club have a habit, don't they, of announcing big announcement today at three o'clock, and everyone gets dead excited and thinks we're building a new ground or I don't know we've agreed to sign Messi next season, and it always turns out to be something very anti And you know, I suppose you know the, the kit is fairly important to the, the team, but. I think they should basically the club should just come out and say uh, announcement at three o'clock today concerning team kits. Yeah, it it, it wouldn't get people's hopes up and it wouldn't have them getting criticised on Twitter and Facebook. Um, but yeah, um, we've gone back to Umbro. So, uh, how do you feel about that? Because we're both we were both
1: a fan of the Nike shirt, well, we? and, and just a Nike brand.
0: Yeah, I mean. You or know, Nike, if you're listening in America. Yeah, I mean, you know. Nike's the top sportswear brand in, in the world, isn't it? You know, up there, I suppose you could say, you know, probably Adidas is on, on a par, but, you know, for me, Nike's the iconic brand, sportswear. So when we signed with, with Nike, it, you felt like it was, like, going big time, didn't you, really? And there was all, you know, the deal with Nike seemed to get us involved in that tournament in America, you know... It, Seem to be opening doors in America for us to do the commercial side of things. I
1: think that's what you associate with Nike. You just associate global and global being big market like U.S. like the U.S. Whereas like Umbro, you've kind of always associated with like England kits and like just being like like a a UK specific brand. Well, well,
0: Umbro were a company from from Salford, basically. They they were originally you know a small. Northwest of England sportswear company that that specialised in football kits. That's that's what they did. Um, The the brief history I was talking to you before we started recording today. Uh, You know, a few years ago, Umbro at one point I think had twelve of the twenty Premier League teams signed up to to share deals. Um, Everton being one of them. Uh, And basically, what happened was, you know, Nike wanted the to to break the Premier League a bit more, and, and basically bought Umbro out, uh, converted all the teams who wore Umbro, you know, Man City, straight right the way up to the England national side, uh, into into night kit, uh, and then basically sold Umbro off, uh, for for a fraction of the price, uh, and, and Umbro were left with no share deals, uh, you know, and and. Uh, and looking to, to break back into the Premier League market, and have chosen Everton as their, their new flagship club, apparently? Uh, it's it's better than Warrior. <laughs> it's definitely better than Warrior. But, I mean, the, the
1: thing is, with with Nike, you know, you've got, like, you've got global figures in sports, haven't you? You've obviously got, like, uh, Michael Jordan, who, like, just, it's just a brand in itself, isn't it, Jordan? And uh, you've got, like, Roger, Roger, Roger Federer's with, with Nike, isn't he? But, I mean, it is, yeah. I mean like, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy. Just you know. of of that ill, you know, the top tier of sports Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, Ronaldo. Yeah, of course. Um, and Not Ronaldo. <laughs> but, so it's good to be associated with that, isn't it? You know, if you've seen that here, if you see the Nike advert and you t- see like uh, the possibility of, like, having the Everton kit in there and... I don't know. I like it. I like well, the romance right, of it.
0: If you think about it, though, when it comes to football brands, you know, Nike and Adidas okay, but but Umbro is probably the third most iconic. I would say Puma are knocking about. Third but most. Puma are knocking about, but those double diamonds, you know, that that's that's quite synonymous with, with football, really. Um, so it's not, you know, I, I'm I'm quite happy with the deal. It looks like, well, we've, like. we've signed a five year deal to run from 2014 to 2019. As far as I know, financially, it doesn't make the club any better or worse off because we sold our kit rights off in a 10-year deal to Kit Bag, didn't we? So we, we get £3 million a year, no matter what, I think, yeah. uh, until the end of the Kit Bag deal. Um, I, I may be wrong on that, but that, that's the impression I've got from reading about it over the last few days. Um, so, Umbro made nice kits for us in the past as well, I thought. Yeah, well,
1: I like nice I like that tick I like the squish I don't think
0: Nike made a decent home shirt Yeah,
1: I quite like them I think the, the, the new one's quite smart although I haven't bought it so I can't like it that much
0: my my tip to one is for the home shirt next year no white on it at all apart from maybe a bit of white on the bit collar a bit of trim a bit of trim on the collar maybe on the sleeves but I prefer not even on the sleeves just a, a white collar on a blue shirt Bob's your uncle job done right speaking about Bob being your uncle Uncle
1: Bob Uncle Bob. Um, Uncle Bob went for the uh, Bobby M. He went from that announcement...
0: I would be good if you watch me, Uncle.
1: <laughs> he went from that announcement uh, with a team of 11 Evertonians, apparently, on a, a little minibus. Uh, from that announcement in Manchester, he t- took them there to be part of this behind-the-scenes thing. And then he, he came back and uh, switched the light on at Everton Tower, which is going to be uh, illuminate the, the, whole, the, the holding... Is it a holding cell or a hold... It is a holding cell, isn't it? Like a lock-up.
0: It, it was a holding cell in the past. The uh, Human Rights Act uh, <laughs> has prevented that from uh, having any prisoners in it for a long, long time now. But now it, it's permanently illuminated in
1: a, in a lovely, uh, a lovely blue.
0: I've seen another picture today where it's illuminated in blue with the the badge.
1: Yeah, on the top. So, so projected some, something onto projected onto it. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah. It looks good anyway, doesn't it? it and does it's, it's look good. good. Again, it's it's a nice move by the club embracing the history, and uh, yeah,
0: it's another example of the way the club are, you know, marketing themselves. It's brand better. It's all branded. Branded. You know. They're just doing little things right that cheered off Evertonians. Well, I I, and I think I, I put down that maybe we should start shining royal blue lights on Anfield because that used to be ours as well, so we didn't want anything. Yeah,
1: Embrace our history that way, yeah. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about, about that, you know, because things the club seem to be doing right. And um, I, I don't know whether you're aware because you, you don't really go on Twitter. I kind of managed to Twitter, Twitter sign.
0: I tried to get back into it over the last couple of days. I was trying to find Aidan McGeady. On Twitter, so I could abuse him, but uh, (laughs) I I, I couldn't find him. It's just, uh, Twitter's so hard, I think, to find people and things.
1: It's just funny, if you're looking for someone and um, you just have to, if they've got
0: a blue tick next to their name, it means they're verified,
1: and that means that's their real account.
0: What I did find out from Twitter the other day, randomly, is that Sylvan Disson's a massive UFC fan. Is he? Yeah. All right. So Tim Tim Howard actually practices at uh, MMA as well. Have a look at follows.
1: Right, okay, cool. Um, but there was a little bit of fallout on Twitter. I mean, the, fir- let's, the first little bit, at half time we found out that the Everton the community, which celebrated 25 years um, last season, and Fellaini got his hair, remember he got his hair dyed silver. Yeah. So, um, uh, so they'd been raising money, and they, they broke a million pounds. Well, that was announced at the
0: game, wasn't it? Half time.
1: Yeah. So that was that was announced at the game half time, uh, and I, I think it's great that the club's doing stuff like that. and We found out that Everton have a free school, um, you know. So and they're doing a lot for a lot for kids in the community and stuff. But apparently, um, a few Evertonians on Twitter took to Twitter and started um, tweeting at Alan Myers, and were Basically, badmiling all the good that's being done and saying, just just it's probably the usual stuff. Why bother with stuff like that? Why not try and get us another player? And it's just stuff like that. And so, Alan, uh, oh, and uh, Alan, where were they shouting?
0: Where putting things on Twitter like, where's the Everton and the community money gone, Bill?
1: Yeah, probably. Um, but Tony Bellew was uh, part of it, Amanda Holden was part of it somewhere along the way, anyway. Um, uh, Somebody said something wrong in the eyes of uh, Alan Myers, and he's decided to have a bit of a Twitter hiatus because he just... He, he can't believe that these blues, these so-called blues, uh, basically knocking the club for doing good things.
0: Alan, if you're listening, you do good work, mate. There's idiots everywhere. Don't let them get you down. Yeah, but it, it, I think it's great... There's even st- idiots who say, we don't know what we're talking about, and our podcast rubbish, I mean... <laughs> see what I mean? You just... Sometimes you just you know you just have to take the rough with the smooth, don't you? Yeah. So, but as I say, I, I think it's great that the clubs doing stuff like
1: that. A million pound for um, just for I don't know, just for good things to happen in in the area. How can that be a bad thing? Anyway, um, so Friday saw uh, transfer deadline come and go. Transfer deadline day, come and go. Uh, and it was a bit of a whimper, really, wasn't it? Well, there
0: was no comes and there was one go. The, well, there was, there was a 17 year old. What position do you think we'd need? Oh, yeah, there was. We did sign a play, didn't we? Uh, we could do with some cover at uh, left back, maybe. Obviously, it? So we brought
1: garbage back, and so that's going to be our cover for left back. So uh,
0: centre forward? Centre forward. Permanent centre forward from the lounge end?
1: <laughs> well,. I, that's what I have thought. I'm not knocking anyone because this 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 uh, this new sign is meant to be like quite a
0: catch. Well, I know we lost the centre half on the day, so maybe a young up and coming centre half. Nope, we signed a 17-year-old uh, Czech
1: Republic. Czech Republican is that the term for that? Uh,
0: Czech, Czech. I oh, think or you just Czech? Just go for Czech. <laughs> yeah.
1: It wasn't Czech. No, it wasn't Czech. It was was it Jirinek? Is that what you say your name? Jirinek Stanek. Yeah. Well, welcome to Everton, young lad. Oh, you can't understand the word we're saying, but. i
0: am been a little read about him. Um, apparently, he's, uh, he's one of the most highly rated young keepers in Europe. Uh, 17 years of age, six foot four. Big lad. Is he the Czech? Czech? <laughs> he's, he's the, yeah.
1: He's the, he's the Czech, Czech. Like, like uh, what did we say the other day? was the Latvian Michael Owen. Yeah. So he's the Czech? Czech?
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway. Yeah, so he, he, uh, he came in. And then uh, a few hours later,
0: what uh, nationality Peter Czech? Probably Czech. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the Czech check, isn't he? <laughs> I think so.
1: Um, yeah. So a few hours later, there was there was a load of stories going. Oh, uh, Lescott's at Finch Farm, and he's coming back on a loan deal. Well, he didn't.
0: Do you know that um, Stanek turned up on a space opera? No. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Czech mm-hmm. bounced. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll edit that out, don't <laughs> Um That's not happen at all. Bill Kenwright steals the cheque bounces. <laughs> yeah, so
1: the the, the main rumour was Heitinger uh, was going to Fulham and uh, everyone was getting less cut. That was the main rumours I heard.
0: on oh, Well, there was serious rumours going round that we were in talks with Man City over a player and... That Scott was the one. Yes. Turns out that's probably not the case now, but uh, As we as we've alluded to, Johnny Eitinger left the club and signed for Fulham. He's been on he, his
1: way out for six months. Yeah, I mean, finally, he, you
0: know, he's been linked to so many clubs, hasn't he? You know, like to Roma, Juventus, even Newcastle. I know. West Ham, we decided he didn't want to go to because he probably didn't think it was the best for his, his football and career, <laughs> uh, and he ends up at bottom of the league, Fulham. And they sound a about... free transfer?
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's a, I mean it's a strange one in a sense because there was a few weeks ago we told him I'm getting maybe a million and a half. But I think it was getting so late in the window that we just had to cut our losses on them, and, you know, we want to save that money for the
0: wages, don't we? Do you think this is a case of Heitinger has known that we needed to get them off the transfer, uh, off the wages bill? So he's left it to the last minute so maybe knowing we will give him a free transfer, and he could then possibly pocket a large signing on fee from the club that we went to. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I uh, wouldn't like to cast those suspicions because it's uh, you know
1: that's quite underhanded. Uh, but that wouldn't be down to him. That would be an agent, and it sounds well, like it, an agent's way be, of yeah. doing things, doesn't it? It would
0: be. But um, yeah, I wish Johnny Eitinger all the best. Yeah, you know, I, some people have criticised him in the past. I don't think he's ever particularly let us down. I thought when he was given a, a run in the sides for it, you now was a couple of seasons ago. He was our player of the season.
1: Which he was. He was. That's a fact. He was our player of the season. He was confirmed as our player of the season, uh, and he'll go down in history as our player of the season. You can't. I mean, you can just you you can have your opinion on that, but you know that's it's in the record books as far as Everton are concerned, and it was voted for by the fans. Yeah, he uh, was
0: always very respectful to the fans. He always seemed to love playing for Everton, and um, so you know. I think no. there was
1: one or two occasions one or two occasions in his Everton career where maybe he backed out of a challenge and I think he's never uh, never been able to live that down. One or two occasions where, versus a whole season where he was played the season. It's it's strange how, how it works, but uh you know, the time was to move on and he's done it. Fair
0: enough. So uh yeah, for everyone here, not just better wishes him all the best.
1: Um so <laughs> Fulham, what, signed five or six players on deadline day. Uh, and he still went out to the cup last night.
0: They did he? They got knocked off by Sheffield United. Last minute of injury time, Heather. So it's not looking uh, good. Extra time, even. Um, bottom of the league, and uh, Steen's in trouble already, apparently. So, uh, but going back to what we spoke about before, um, Everton strongly linked with uh, getting a player from Man City on Santa Fe deadline day, because uh, the backstory to this is Man City we um, are put in quite a hefty bid for two young Porto starlets. One we know. Fernando, a.k.a. The Octopus, who Everton could have signed uh, in the summer. The last transfer window. Uh, I think he wanted what, £10 million pound for him and we, we balked at that. Yeah. yeah. And he's now worth 20 Yeah, So a little bit like Negredo a couple of seasons ago where we bid £8 million for him and he wanted 11 and we wouldn't go up to that and he's probably worth about 50 now. So... Um, yeah, so uh, City were in for uh, Fernando, as we've said, and there's the Porto centre-back Mangala, who, who's highly rated. Um, those deals fell through for whatever reason, um, and if you read, believe what you read in the papers, which is seems to be doing around and seems to have a lot of truth to it, uh, Everton's transfer day de- deal fell through at the same time, and that was to bring Jack Rodwell back to the club.
1: It is a strange one, that, and depending on what the price would be. I mean, you know, you have these players who move on, like Lescott, like Rodwell, and the grass isn't always greener, as they've found out. But, you know, in Lescott's case, he's got a championship medal, and he'd probably be happy to come back. Whether people would be happy to have him back is another matter. But, you know, whatever can improve the squad. Uh, And... You know, Rodwell's got a lot of upside to his game. He's got a lot of downsides, the fact that he's always injured.
0: He was he was so promising when he broke through at Everton, wasn't he? And then, you know, obviously he had his problems with injury and he, he never seemed to be able to get himself really fit. And then he, he got this move to City and all of a sudden there was a lot of Evertonians saying Rodwell was terrible. It was a great deal for Everton. I think we pulled City's pants down, which is it, showing now if they want to, you know, sell him on for... A much smaller fee. Yeah, you know, there's world-class players who, who wouldn't get into that city team. So you know, Jack Rodwell has got at the minute has, has got, you know, very little chance of breaking into that team. You know, you, you only got to look at like the likes of say James Milner who, who doesn't get a game, Gareth Barry, well, Gareth Barry, yeah, who you know couldn't get a game near and then comes to Everton and, and, and looks superb. So you know, if we're bringing him in on a small fee. I wouldn't mind seeing Rodwell back, I really wouldn't. I think he could flourish under, under Martinez. And I, I I think I was talking the other week about, you know, the possibility of having a new Holy Trinity, yeah. talking about Barry, McCarthy and Barkley. Uh, both, we both agreed that, you know, maybe Barry's a little bit too old moving on in the future because maybe you could look at a Holy Trinity in two or three years' time. Could Rodwell do that? Well, I don't think he
1: will now. I mean, obviously, that the, the talk of that, you know, the transfer deadline has gone. So it I can't, I can't see that happening again in the summer now. I think that was like a one-time-only kind of thing. I don't think it will happen again. Um, but you know, one in, one out on deadline day. Uh, obviously, over the whole window, we got McGeezy in, we got Treore in.
0: So again, decent, decent window. Really, would you reckon? I thought it was decent window didn't stop the old uh, Bill Kenwright haters coming out down for us today.
1: Well, you're never going to do that, are you? Uh, another bit of uh, news, I mean, it's slightly related to us, as in, our assistant manager is being linked with the now vacant position at Swansea, who will, will we be facing in the FA Cup? Yeah, you know, uh, as-
0: I, I was in, I was in the pub last night and, you know, Sky Sports News broke this some big gold letters on the screen saying Lars have been sacked. I, I must admit, I did not see that coming.
1: Well, looking into that a little bit, he was sacked apparently because he took the first team away after an embarrassing defeat to West Ham. He took the team away to a, for a little jolly in Paris for a couple of days and apparently he didn't tell the chief exec or the chairman or whatever and he came back and... Uh, had to face the music basically and that was what they
0: t- chose to bring him up on so was it like a field trip for Swansea did they all have to walk around and partners our lands and yeah they had to uh, make notes make notes and uh, take pictures of the Eiffel Tower really yeah yeah yeah
1: interesting Um other than that that's it for the news section
0: and any, have you got any more news Um do you want me just to give you some news just no. in general life no Are you sure yeah no it's fine Philip Seymour Hoffman's dead sad that wasn't it not really no it saves him right. no
1: I think it's quite tragic he was sober for 24 23 years he's been sober and then he uh, over the past few months he's just a bit of a downward spiral into heroin abuse which, which which is a terrible terrible tragedy it's getting a bit deep just now for an <laughs> Everton podcast right, I'm anyway. sorry you brought it up anyway uh, we'll be back in a sec and we've got our social media section, which is quite lively this week. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at just better efc. Okay, so before we go into the social media section, uh, Mark's got something to add. What do you think you know that, I've just asked them have you got any more to add in the news section you'd think that would be a perfect opportunity to say yeah I've got something to add I want to talk a little bit more about this subject soft ollies and you're
0: going to also explain what soft ollies is in a minute for our non scouts listeners right okay <laughs> uh, yeah just going back to you know completely slipped my mind but going back to the whole point of telling the large up second story uh, is that Swans uh, one of the favourites to get the job is Everton assistant manager Grain Jones um, you know Graham Jones has been with Roberto Martinez right the way through his, his managerial career and obviously that, that started at, at Swansea uh, and I know this, he's very highly thought of in Swansea and a lot of people believe, you know, he's the brains behind Martinez's regime basically and it is, you know, responsible for a lot of the, the good work that, that he's put in at the clubs he, he, he's been at. Um, apparently he's been... Uh, Approach for the job in, on four separate occasions previously. He doesn't want to go to your Swansea. Just do one. So I'd imagine that was probably before Larder got it, before Brendan Rogers got it. Um, so you know, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, do we really want our backroom staff, uh, you know, disrupted at the moment? It's one uh, you can't really stop an assistant manager going if a manager job goes up, though, can you? It's a Premier League management job as well, isn't it? So you yeah. couldn't really criticise him for taking it. I don't know, sometimes you get number twos, you just want to be number twos. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> why do you start laughing at that? How old are you? <laughs> anyway, you know, the, sometimes you get assistant managers who just want to be assistant managers. You That's know. better. They, they don't want the, uh, the extra pressure of the role. Um, so, may, you know, maybe he wants to stay in heaven. Maybe he's happy where he is. I, I hope so, because, you know, I'm impressed with what's going on at the club. Yeah, you?
1: it's it's from the top to the bottom of the club. Um you know, and he must be a big part of it, and I don't wouldn't want to see him go. If he was to go, early shelf assistant manager, the big man, that's who people want, isn't it? Big dunk. <sighs> Could be, couldn't he? That'll break up the which what's a, what's a good partnership between Sheedy and uh,
0: Sheedy and Ferguson are doing the under eighteen. So, do you know what I'm going to go for? David Moyes, interim assistant manager till the end of the season. Go on, Tim Kale. Oh, Tim Kale, Yeah, Timmy C. Um,
1: something that I forgot to put in the news. Ah, see. <laughs> no, it's exciting. Exciting news. Exciting news. Your mate Billy is on the move. Go he... back to Evan? No, unfortunately <sighs> not. He's going to Anzi. Really? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he apparently hasn't settled at Spartak,
0: so he's uh, he's on the move over, uh, over there. Right, okay. Um, any any sort of fee mentions for the greatest left back, that er, <laughs> uh, left back, le, left winger that's ever lived? No, Right, okay. No, um, <clears throat> come on, Billy, do well. Get yourself back to on. So. Okay, so what do soft dollies mean then? Soft dollies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know how to describe this one either. Soft dollies is a scout's term for somebody who's uh, forgetful, not very bright, daft, soft. Daft, same thing. Daft. Why do you always use other scout terms? To daft isn't a scout term. It's... I thought it was.
1: No, daft. S- soft ollies, same as soft lads.
0: I don't know. I think if you if you're listening in America, your version of soft ollies might be retard. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening in Australia, your version of Soft Ali's maybe. I don't Flame know. Flaming Galar. Go outside, have a barbecue. i got no idea. <laughs> um,
1: right, okay, cool. Anyway, uh, our social media section, um, we put a few questions out this week, and it's been on fire this week, really. Uh, we've The first question we put out was, um, I think it was the Stephen Naismith question, wasn't it? It's, um, should Stephen Naismith get a run in the side up front? You know, he scored. He's got three goals in three games for the Blues. For two against Stevenage, and he came on and changed the game against Villa at the weekend. You are talking? I'm
0: switching apps.
1: Um, all right. So he's a much. What's, I'm going to try and maligned. Re- much maligned forward. That's oh, exactly I like that what I'm, I'm saying. saying. I
0: do like the word maligned. I'm still talking now because I'm still changing. My <laughs> mind,
1: and he's. Uh, didn't you suggest we do a cover photo? of him on uh, his, his face on... This the, is
0: one of my better ideas. This, I his feel.
1: face on the jar of marmite because you yeah. either love him or you hate him. And we know one of our listeners and the well, who sits behind us at the match, although he didn't on Saturday because he was uh, he just couldn't be bothered coming to the game because of the weather. you uh, see
0: seen my prediction on Facebook, apparently, and that Naismith is going to have a good game. Didn't want to lose face because he sits there and abuses Naismith every game uh, and decided not to turn up. And then I had to sit in his seat...
1: Yeah, so Dave, sort yourself out and stop being a Naismith hater.
0: Um, so we, we, the question was, does Naismith... He, he'll be listening to this now in his taxi at some point this week, which he apparently plays our podcast in his taxi every week, and there'll be some fair-paying customer back, and Dave will be there going, it's me they're talking about there, you know, that's me. <laughs> um, Shall
1: we just go through these? Yeah, go on, you you, you, you can handle the uh, the Facebook and I'll handle the Twitter. So you um, want to start off? Yeah,
0: there, there's, there's been quite a you know quite a lot of people replying to this on on our Facebook uh, in regards to Nate Smith. Um, so you know Ryan Sangster says, yeah, he, he deserves to play front. Two goals against Stevenage and one against Villa. No one else has three goals in three games in the squad. Uh, however, he does hope Triore will be fit, but he he, he seems to think that Nate Smith is uh, is worth a pop up front.
1: Okay, well Daniel Hayes at Danny Bow. At Danny Bowie for you, um, yes, he does deserve a chance up top on the team bus. That's not very nice, is it? What, like <laughs> surfing on the top of the bus? Well, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know.
0: I, I'd like to hazard a guess at maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit, um, a bit mean. Jacob Wright says, no, uh, he's such a good impact sub. He plays much better that way than starting. You're, you're mean you. you. You
1: just didn't want to say Bozman, Bungle, Bos Demon, did you?
0: I did, but I'm trying to give a birdied view of.
1: Right, okay. cool. Uh, Dom Ash <laughs> at Blue Dom Ash. Yes. Question. of Exclamation mark. That is. And uh And Michael Kendall at, at M Kendall eighty six. Yes, as he's a striker after all. I mean, that's 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 the main thing, isn't it? We said it a little bit about it. The move, you had the movement like a striker. And he was there for that three ball from Pena, and he was moving
0: centrally. Yeah. So uh, Lee Darwin and, and Fra McKenney both come up with very similar points. Uh, Lee says, good squad player and 100% commitment, but not good enough to be a top six club premiership striker. Uh, he's better playing off the bench. Uh, more players could do with his attitude. Uh, and Fra McKenney sort of echoes that. Good, honest pro works his socks off, but if we seriously want to push on for fourth place, Smith isn't the answer. If he is, then we're in trouble. That's just my opinion, and I'd love him to shove my words down my throat.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of us want that. We want that to happen. Um, you know, we haven't been overly kind to him on the podcast over the past uh, since we've been doing it. But we'd like nothing more for, than for him to prove us wrong. Uh, Ash continued. Actually, he says, "I like Smith. He's a tryer and good in the air. He's also scored a couple of really big goals for us this season. Of course, the win against Chelsea." Um, he's not good enough to be playing out wide, but I can see him scoring goals playing off Morales up front. Uh, and the problem is now we have Traore, so I'd say start Traore and use Naismith as an impact sub for at least thirty minutes if a change is needed. And I think, I mean, that's probably going to be his best role.
0: Yeah, are uh, who looks very strange and uh, you know a bit like you wouldn't trust them around your family members on uh, yeah. his profile picture. I uh, like called Paul Cronin uh, has made the comment saying, "Yes, he does for a number of reasons." Twelve wrote this for Paul. Actually, it looks like he's uh, you T- know he spent a lot of put a lot of thought into this. He often scores when given the chance to play. He actually seems quite clinical. His effort is great, and his delight when scoring shows how much it means to him. He would also put some much needed pressure on other strikers. And Paul got five likes on that comment, which is the most like comment he's ever put on Facebook. Ever. <laughs> That's the most feedback he's ever had on anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> as, as regular listeners will know, Paul's a, a good mate and is has actually hosted this podcast previously. Yes, in the days when we had the three man panel. Yeah,
1: uh, right. I've got. I think I've got one more on this. Oh no, I haven't. That was on the Feo question. Um, have you got any more to add on the Naismith?
0: Now should we move on to the next question we threw out there to our?
1: Right, this is where we're split on this, isn't it? Uh, how do you think McGee did on his home debut? I know the hosts are split on this, as I have just mentioned. We are, we have varying opinions. I thought he was awful. I thought he was. I thought he was good in spells, and I, I, and I think you, you were overly, overly critical of him. I'm
0: going to backtrack a little bit. I thought he was awful, but he wasn't helped by John Stones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be interesting to see what he's like with Coleman.
1: Well, Coleman, I mean, it, if with Coleman, Coleman can do the, the role of two players. So McGee would be in like a free role there. So you expecting nothing. See, he
0: seems to like to cut inside, doesn't he? So I mean, with Coleman, sort of being able on the overlap on the wing, I think it'll free him up to, to be able to do that. And um, so, the impression so far of him is, you know, he doesn't particularly love to have any pace. He looks like he'd rather it's more important to him to beat a man than to, you know, put an end product in. Um, but I'm willing to give him. That's the right. benefit of those.
1: I was joking on uh, on Saturday calling him uh, Aidan McBeagree because he, he seemed to like to like to beat a
0: man more. Well, than there's a number, isn't it? There's Aidan McBeagry. There's Aidan McGreedy. There's Aiden Mac. Just passed the ball, will ya? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of options there. So what were what were people's thoughts anyway? Um, well you do one from Twitter first? Okay,
1: uh, Matthew Ringham uh, at Ringo eight seven eight one. Don't think he did anything wrong. To be honest, he's going to be a real treat to watch. And from his highlight videos, I hope I hope we get to see more of that goodison because he's got
0: some real real skill. Right. Okay. Uh, Jamie Dempsey on Facebook says he's shown some good signs, but far from match fit. Yeah. Which he's commented on himself. In my opinion, he's a great addition to the squad and has a brilliant engine on him. Looks like a decent talent. Looking forward to seeing once he's up to pace and fitness needed.
1: Yeah, good. Um, Bitter blue at Nick Willow for EFC. Uh, Started brightly, bit leggy in the second half, but thought he contributed well. I think think he was no worse than anyone else in that first half, and even when he was still on the pitch in the second half.
0: Played a little part in the goal. I love that, I love that. Um, Chris Pryor. Now, I know Chris, and uh, I don't know what he's going on about here. He says, intelligent, good passing. I got the impression he was an out and out winger like Delafeu, so it's frustrating he hasn't tried to beat anyone yet. I know, I kind of know what he means. He, he, he hasn't tried to, you know, r- really destroy someone with patience. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, it was all kind of slow it down and, you know, try a few st- step overs and then cut in, but no real, like, trying to get to be the, you know, like a Kinchelskis kind of thing, you know, where he try and beat someone for uh, for pace, and, yeah, I think, I think that's what
0: what he meant, I don't know, you know, I don't. Uh, just two others on this subject, uh, Mark Bagnell, I would like to judge him when he's playing with Coleman, not with Stones, it was never going to open up space for him, as he's not going to overlap or make runs, he looks like he has got something so far though, uh, and, um Stuart Tagg, who's a a regular commenter on some of our posts, Uh, he seems to be a one-trick pony, always does a trick and comes inside. I'm not judging him yet because he's not fit. I think he will turn out good.
1: Yeah, well, I think think he'll definitely do a job for us and he'll definitely be another option for us. Uh, Do you want to go on to the the final question, which is another winger? Um, I've only got one response on this because it only went
0: out uh, a little while ago. Um, What? Uh, well, the question was thrown out there. Uh, a bit of early team news going into the Tottenham game uh, was that Delafeu possibly maybe back, uh, you know, from injury. So we we put it out there, you know, do you think Delafeu should go straight back into a starting place in the team? Uh, just to see what you know people thought about that. Uh, Paul Benedict Flynn said, "Nope, he might be fit, but he's far from match fit. He's been out for ages."
1: Yeah, Mark Wright seems to uh, agree with that on Twitter at Mark, Mark Wright UK88. No, he's better as an impact sub His pace is devastating when opposition legs tire. And um, I mean, the likes of Kyle Walker and Vatongan, Fatongan's back now, isn't he? You know, on those on those wings, they're both very very solid. I mean, Walker in particular, very pacey uh, fullbacks,
0: aren't they? So I, I still think that Fatongan's been the best player I've seen play against us this season. Uh, Matty Vickery, uh, I would put him back in. He's been training over in Barca for a week. Now a full week back with the lads. We badly miss his pace and skill. I love Peanut, but he seems to have lost a yard of pace. Yeah, I
1: go with that. Pinar since he cut his hair, that's just not been the same, has he? Since I just haven't we haven't really seen that pacey attack. It's all been like kinda of pedestrian. I don't know. Um he he seems to be trying to control the play a little bit more. From uh, we, said it, we said it a few weeks ago, didn't we? Be a playmaker, but not on the ball. Start and direct and play around him. Um, yeah, trying to pull strings, maybe. Um, a few others seem to say Dan Imson, who's listening in the US. Impact sub for De Uh I'm, back, I'm on that Facebook thing now as well. Um, come off the bench, start McGee on the right.
0: That seems to be the majority view, you really. You know the fact that you know giving twenty minutes at the end of a game to, to kill people with his pace, and I, I personally would agree with that. I don't think I'd that, agree with that. A yeah. Game like Tottenham it's away, it's not, not the easiest place to go. Uh, I wouldn't bring them straight back in. I'd ease him in, uh, and then maybe look to play him in Palace on Tuesday. But, it's, it's, it, with him coming back, Lukaku back in, uh, in a few weeks, Traore
1: uh, on the verge of full fitness. And our history for finishing seasons
0: well, it's looking like a good finish. Yeah, I it? don't want to speak too soon because you never know who's going to get injured at the weekend, do you? So, um, yeah, um, Coleman should be back. Well, yeah, I would have thought Coleman would probably wouldn't be on the bench to the day. I would have thought he'd probably be looking to start against Spurs.
1: It's funny though, isn't it? Traore, he was, he was like in line to be on the bench for the derby, and then it, there wasn't even talk about him making the, the Villa game. And there hasn't really been much talk about them making the Spurs
0: game either. Yeah, the the club at the moment seems to be keeping any injury news so it's quite close to the chest, don't they? But uh, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we, the weekend? And, and it'll be interesting to see just what sort of team we do put out. Uh, but we'll talk about that a bit more in our preview to the, the Spurs game.
1: And that's coming up after a little bit of uh, Z Cars. And also, we'll have an Everton legend tell you how great we are we are okay, yeah. sort of I'm Kevin Sheedy and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast just about to have a look at the Spurs game coming up on Sunday. And before we do that, I just want to ask our listeners, or if you're watching on YouTube, um, does anybody know what the actual tune from what we sing, Ali Ali Oo, what it's from? And the actual tune, because it sounds like that old English, the English song, Vindaloo, bits of it sound like that. I don't mean what's the meaning behind it, because apparently the Ali Ali is the big ship sails on the Ali Ali which is to do with the Mersey. So I want to know if any of any of our listeners—I've tried to put this out on Facebook before—but trying to say, you know, what it what what it's from, without being able to sing it, is, is difficult. So if any of our listeners know, tell me. And if you can tell me, I'm gonna do a version of it—an electronic version of it—and I, I, yeah. So anyway. Spurs game.
0: I like the version that they were singing on Saturday.
1: The the ver- ver- version. No,
0: the the version that oh. broke after the game. Oh yeah, Ali Ali oh Whatever an FC, we've got the Scottish Messi. Yeah, we have, haven't we? We haven't. The Scottish Pelly uh, And hopefully the Scottish Messi might uh, get a couple of goals against Tottenham this weekend. Sunday, not Saturday. Do you think he'll? Do you think he'll play on Sunday? Um, it's, it's very possible. Yeah, I don't think Traore is going to come back. Uh, we need the centre forwards will be going with Morales again up top didn't really work last Saturday Naismith come on changed the game uh, so yeah why not it's a
1: very different game though isn't it it is a different it's, game you've got Tottenham at home apart you, you, said, it, you, you said it yourself with the stats before uh, Villa only had one real shot and that was the goal they scored so you know they were time wasting they weren't as bad as some teams are parking the bus but they were there to either try and smash and grab, or get a draw. Um, Tottenham are going to be there trying to beat us, so that well, really—it's
0: a, it's a six-pointer, isn't it? It's a—it's a European qualification six-pointer.
1: That really lends itself, though, uh, to us catching them on the counter attack, maybe. And Morales would be possibly a better option than. Naismith so on you that. think
0: Robbie might change our system rather than going for? No, not change our system. Just No, I think keep the same system. We're not generally a counter-attacking side, though, are we? But
1: Morales is a counter-attacking player. Right, Okay. So if that option's there, if Tottenham are playing high up and they've got their full-backs pushing on like they like to, they've got maybe Dawson and... uh, whoever I I don't know who's playing centre-back for them at the moment. If they've got them on the halfway line and you've got a little ball in behind there uh, for Morales to chase onto uh, for a quick counter, I think that option's a good one to have.
0: Right, okay. Uh, well, obviously, you know, looking at the league table at the moment, uh, the Blues are in fifth on forty-five points. Uh, one place ahead of Tottenham, and one point ahead of Tottenham. They were sitting in sixth on forty-four points. And um, you look at the game from last weekend. Obviously, when we beat Villa, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Tottenham, you would say, dropped points against Hull.
1: Yeah. Any, any, any time you you play a side like, like that, I don't. No dis- disrespect to Hull anytime you're playing teams uh, around where they are in the league you've got to be looking at picking up points because if you, if you're serious about getting in, into the Champions League um I'm not saying it's a given but you've got to you've got to haven't you
0: Tottenham have started doing a strange thing in the Premier League Since uh, the sacking of AB and Tim Sherwood took over the controlling team And that's player 4-4-2
1: Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago And we mentioned there's there's maybe two sides who do it One of them, uh, that shower of shite across the park um, And the other one being Manchester City Who either play Aguero and Dzeko or Aguero and Negredo or Negredo and uh, Dzeko uh, there's not many other sides who play. I mean, you could argue that Man U do with RVP and Rooney,
0: but Rooney does not have to play deep. I think even with, I think with with all those teams you've just mentioned, though Liverpool, City, United, you think it's a 4 four four two because they've got two recognised centre forwards, but it's not really a flat four four two. It is very much, you know, quite fluid. You know, it's more even. A, a four-three-three on a lot of occasions. With us at the moment, Tottenham are playing quite a rigid. Four straight four-four-two, four, straight, straight four-two four, two. up top. Yeah. I mean, you look at the team he played like when he the one-one draw with whole last weekend. Uh, Loris who who's obviously a great keeper, uh, flat back four of Walker at right back, Danny Rose at left back, uh, Michael Dawson, as we mentioned, the uh, Tongan is back in the side now. He's back in his centre half role rather than playing left back as he did against. Everton at Goodison earlier in the season where, where he ran the show so, basically so that's
1: good for the wingers
0: but not so good for whoever's up front it's probably quite good for Everton really because you know he really did it. He, he hurt us last time he was a real threat going was, forward he wasn't was. he um, then uh, you know a midfield four of Lennon on one wing uh, Paulinho and uh, Bentaleb central midfield uh, and Ericsson on the other side uh, Soldado and Adebayor up front yeah do you That's a big change that Sherwood's done, bringing bio back into the side, really. And it's there.
1: proved a masterstroke, really, hasn't it? Because he's, been he's just been banging them in.
0: He has been getting goals for them. Um, you know, it's one of them. Uh, will they be looking to bounce back after you know, dropping points? They were on a good run of form before that whole game, really. You know, They've been matching Everton, sort of, point for point, haven't you, yeah, really? Apart from
1: the City game aside, of course, which, I mean apart from
0: Chelsea on Monday nobody beat City they're not the only team to get destroyed at City are they there's no, there's no great shame in that um, my man to watch this week is um, is is Bentaleb basically Nabil Bentaleb uh, he's a player who's only recently just broke into the, the Tottenham side uh, Tim Sherwood loves him basically Adam Tim Sherwood's previous job doing the, the under 21 side of Tottenham uh, Bentaleb was Tim Sherwood's Player, basically, that, that that's what he said, uh, you know, and it has brought him through. Uh, and you know, since he's coming to the first team, he, he's looked class, he's looked quality in the central midfield for them. Looks creative. Uh, he's a young French lad, uh, and it's got the potential to uh, possibly be maybe overlooked slightly by Everton, it might do us a bit of damage.
1: It's funny this um, when the way Sherwood came into that position, isn't it? Because uh, the way he had faith in him, because he kind of. Called the bluff a little bit, you know. He was caretaker manager when Avb went, and he kind of called the bluff and said, "I want the job, you know. Uh, give me the job." Basically, um, you know, not on our walk because it wasn't. It wasn't that, you know. It was. It wouldn't have come to that. Um, but he seems to have uh, just gone back to bread and butter things, and like, you, do you think it is because because he's an English manager? He's just going with a traditional four four two. Formation. None of this Christmas tree, high fullbacks, anything like that. It's it's four four two straight on paper, and then the individual players w- will add their own intricacies
0: with the flair and stuff like that. You well, you've got to remember that Tim Sherwood is an English player who was brought up in the heyday of the four four two. he won the league with Blackburn playing a flat four four two with Cheer and of course, front. yeah. Him in the centre of the park with David Batty or whoever it was and, you know, Jason Wilcox and Stuart Ripley out wide on the wings. That's a system he knows has worked and, you know, it's not a risk, is it? It's tried and tested in the past. Um, a lot of people are saying it's old-fashioned. It seems to be doing well for him and, you know, your work to the system to your players. Yeah, and that's what he seems to be doing at the We're moment. We're so
1: it's so like so familiar with like an English game. I mean, everybody says why why do, why haven't Everton gone two up top? Why don't we play with two up top? Everybody says. I'm sure everybody says it at everyone's club because it's like it's hand in hand with English football, isn't it? Four four two, and it just seems like the most obvious thing, really, to do to try and. Get your side back on track, play two up front.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a good possibility the, the way Everton play. He's probably looked at the way Everton have gone away to United this season, the way they played at Arsenal. Uh, hopefully, he hasn't looked at the way we played at Anfield. Um, and thought maybe, you know, he might go with a five man midfield this time just to try and combat arm midfield. You know, you have a look at that team last week, he was missing the likes of, uh, you know, he's got that Kapuwe on the bench there, he's got uh, Dembele wasn't even on the bench last week I don't know if he's injured at the moment Dembele, I, I, read, I think he's a cracking player uh, He's got the likes of uh, Sigurdsson as well So he's got a few players he could bring in there A few changes he could make um, From an Everton point of view What, what changes can you see? I, you know what, I'm pretty certain Coleman will probably come in and start up with it all I think
1: four out of the back five uh, Will be unchanged obviously um, you've got Distan Jags in the centre uh, Howard Baines left back um, I think Coleman will come back in which is still. as strong as it gets for everyone yeah, isn't it? and you know our, our, our best pairing of the season so far you've got McCarthy and Barry who uh, I think are a start
0: to start then uh, it gets a little bit tricky doesn't it that's when it gets interesting is not it I mean you, you're talking now of when, play- when everyone's fit there's real options there I mean you know if for instance Delafeu and Traore we're, were past able to be on the bench um, and then you know you know it's difficult but I can't really see anybody coming in other than Smith following the game of the day possibly Pienaar. Um it's difficult isn't it I mean Pienaar's ex-Tottenham isn't he so would you have a little bit of fire in his belly for it maybe um, and we don't know we still aren't 100% sure what happened with Barkley the other day so um, I think Nate Smith will start up front. Uh, Morales will be a safer, the right hand side. Uh, and then it's just the, the, the Barkley role and, and the, the left side, really, between McGee, Pinar, Osman, and Barkley.
1: I think Barkley will keep his place. I think Pinar will play uh, on the right and Morales on the left because he just seems to like to mix it up like that. Roberto, I don't know why. Uh, and I think he'll um, again. I think he'll go with ex- no. In fact, no. I think he'll play. Oh no, I'm stuffed now myself <laughs> because there's just there is a few options, isn't it? There? there is. It's, I think it's so, McGee-
0: it's so diff- because there's that many options, you just you can't predict, can you? I think McGeady will drop out. It's funny the Evan team, isn't it? Because the back, what you would count as the back seven players if they fit, they're playing. There's no. There's no. If or so, buts so about at the back four the two older midfielders and the keeper if they're fit nailed on they are playing and then everyone in front of that you just there's no definite nailed on position
1: especially like you said with, with, with the fitness issues at the moment um, I mean even, even without the fitness issues there's still those, those places up for, up for grabs each week in week out aren't they because you'll have one, one player who will have a starting role one week and he, you know for example Osman and the week after, he might be garbage. The same with Pinar. So, you could basically interchange those players. But like I was saying before, uh, which I've just completely forgot about, my own point, I think he'll go with Morales up top. Um, and I, it's just, that's what kind of threw me, because I don't know who, who he'd end up playing on that wing.
0: I'd be surprised, but, you know, it's possible. Um, we said last week, I thought the Villa game was the biggest game of our season. Do you think this is now the biggest game of our season? This one, uh,
1: this one is. I don't think it's a must-win. I think it's a must-not-lose.
0: I agree. Yeah. And I think my prediction is uh, that it's going to be a draw. I can see a one-one.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and just I don't want don't
0: wa- to go for the draws.
1: Don't want to. I don't want to be safe, safe. Um, but Liverpool have shown that he can drop points, uh, and this game—if we lost this game, Tottenham would leapfrog us. Man United—if Man United win, they start putting the pressure back on. If we draw the game or win the game, then obviously, you know, it's a different, a wholly different matter. I think we will go out and try and win it because that's what he's—that's what that's what he's known for, and that's all he'll try and do, and all he knows. But. Uh, I just, from a fan point of view, you'd be gutted if you lost this game, wouldn't you? After after getting back on track.
0: Yeah, I mean, as we said, it's a six-pointer, isn't it? It's 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 massive. It is massive, and you know, you look at who else is playing at the weekend, though. Liverpool are playing Arsenal, so points are going to get dropped there, aren't they? You would think. Um, Chelsea, Newcastle. So there's another game. So you know, with teams in the top seven or eight playing each other, uh, and. Uh, City, you would think have got a bit of a banker, uh, you know, playing Norwich. I think United play on the Sunday, as far as I know. I'm um, just trying to think of they're playing off the top of my head. Uh, they're playing uh, Fulham. I did our own to Fulham the game after us on Sunday, so you would expect United to, to take three points from that. And so it is. It is important that we we, we keep in touch and um, three points would be lovely. But I, can, I think it's going to be a difficult game, um, and my heart says draw. Yep. My head says draw, my heart says 10-0 win to heaven. Yeah. <laughs>
1: if you're listening to this on YouTube, we host a podcast, and it's amongst our expertise on areas such as the upcoming game. We also did a bit of a recap on the game the week before. So this week we covered uh, the Villa game, uh, and also we talk about the news of the week, any transfer stories that might be happening or not as the case may be now the transfer deadline has passed, but if you listen to this on podcast, uh, you already know all this because you've listened to it already, <laughs> yeah, but as I say if, 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 if you are watching on YouTube, uh, our podcast is in the iTunes store if you say it's not bitter just better, or it's on SoundCloud too, so you can just listen on the go um, whenever you feel like it, and again, not bitter, just better. Um,
0: uh, have you got any more to add this week? That's it. I think that's that's the end of the, uh, the Victor Anachibi edition of our podcast, I number twenty eight. Number twenty eight. Hopefully,
1: Big Vic. Hopefully, Traore can come in and uh, make a, a, as much of an impact as Victor did this weekend.
0: What's your favourite Victor Anachibi memory?
1: Uh, I've got a few. Um, when he went on that cup run, uh, the UEFA Cup run, in when we were, uh, you know, many moons ago. Uh, when we were on Channel Five, and he was like, he seemed to score at, like every game coming on as a sub, um, and then as I, as I always say this, but Yukubu seemed to teach him too many of his bad habits, and he turned into a bit of a flopper.
0: My favourite Victor Anachibi memory wasn't even Victor on Oh, it was the, the fake fake on the, Twitter. The fake Twitter Anachibi and the, the, that tweet that he put out that time saying. If Suarez the rat tries any of that shit with me, I'll volume into the, the, the rose end of the glass or something. <laughs> which I thought was was yeah, that brilliant. was that was a quality Victor and a chibi moment. It was yeah. Even though it wasn't him, it was just some lad in his bedroom. Thanks for the
1: memories, Victor. The toxic terrier. Thanks for listening, blues. Catch you all next week. Hopefully, after another three points.